Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Tyus Battle has declared for the NBA draft, and we're talking about it right here on Fizz Radio. David Edelstein, I'm Jonathan Hoppy. A lot to talk about in this show. We've got SU football. We've got SU basketball. We've also got some recruiting news, so a jam-packed show. Here on the Score 1260, we've got you up until 10 a.m. David, no place to start other than Tyus Battle declaring for the NBA draft, yet he has not hired an agent. So still a chance. You're telling me there's a chance Tyus Battle could return next season and join this team with O'Shea Brissett and Elijah Hughes now in the fold next season. That's exactly what I would say. It seems to me that he is currently in the decision-making process. You know, he has not yet gotten agent, which means he's not officially gone just yet. He's taking the time to kind of feel out the field, maybe even go to the combine and kind of see where does he place? Where does he rank if he were to go into the NBA draft? Just kind of a feeler. And if he doesn't like where his placement is, he's 100% got the option to come back to Syracuse and they would welcome him back immediately. Well, I got to ask, do you think he likes the placement he's going to get? If you look into the future a little bit, we've seen a lot of guys do this before, whether it's Malachi Richardson, guys like that that say, hey, I don't know what my stock is like. Let me go find out. And when I think about it, David, it's as simple as this. Is your stock going to be higher if you're Tyus Battle if you choose to leave after next year? If Battle comes out now, his stock is pretty good. Team made a sweet 16 run, and I think that's where it has to start is, would it be higher next year? Because I don't really think so. I actually do think it would be higher next year, and here's why. Tyus Battle is coming off of his sophomore season right now, and he was surrounded by a team of new guys, new guys who were first time playing in Division One basketball. And yes, they did go far, but he was surrounded by these relatively inexperienced players at first and throughout the season where he already had a year under his belt. So, of course, he was the guy who was looked to. This reminds me a little bit of what we said about Tyler Lydon, where Tyler Lydon could have stayed one more year and we knew he would have been the guy. He was already on his way to being the guy that everyone looked to. They were passing the ball to him. He was the difference maker. He had Tyler Lydon stayed one more year, it would have just solidified his role on the team. I see the same thing with Tyus Battle. Right now, he is the guy everyone's looking to. He has the two years of experience, but now the guys around him have more experience heading into next year. And if he continues to perform on the same level he did this past year, which it looks like he very much has the potential to do, that only makes him stand out further in a crowd that's just as talented as the Orange look to be. So there's a lot of players on this team next year as opposed to last year. Like I said, you've got Elijah Hughes. You've got another year with Howard Washington coming back from injury. And then you've got O'Shea Brissett, who is now fighting with Battle to be the best player on this team. It's not certain if Battle does come back that he would be the best player. And that's why, in my eyes, I think it makes sense for Battle to leave because you've got Brissett there. And now while that would add up to pretty darn good team next year, I think that what he did this year to guide this team and make all those clutch shots, I don't really think your stock could go up higher. I get Jim Beheim says, oh, he needs to come back, but when does Beheim ever say somebody needs to leave? No, that's true. I mean, yes, it would be more of a competition next year, but if he does continue 
the power stride that he's been on, continue to be that clutch player. These guys aren't going to stop looking to him just because, oh, we've also gotten better. Yes, other players are going to get better. That's the nature of college basketball and basketball development. But if Tyus Battle comes back and does play well, even if he's in competition with O'Shea Brissett, those numbers are still going to be up there. I fear that if he leaves now, he is maybe going to be looked at with a good eye going into the NBA draft. But the problem is there will be that little asterisk next to his name that people are seeing that says he was also surrounded by people who were new to this, who he had an extra year on and who he was obviously going to be the one that they looked to for the stats. So it seems like you think he's going to stay. I think he, that, that he would come back. I think what's going to happen is he's going to realize where he stands in the draft and probably be like, hey, realize I can come back and improve upon even what I did, be surrounded by a really great team, make it far with Syracuse basketball again, and then really have good numbers and good view next to my name. I, I see that because he has not made a decision yet. He's still thinking, has not signed that, that agent yet, and hasn't made the commitment. He's still in that decision-making process, and it looks like the decision might be to come back and, and get that extra experience to add to his resume. Okay, I think he's going to leave, just to be straight up with everybody. I think Tyus Battle is basically as good as gone. And you talk about him not making that decision yet at this point. Well, we should address that Mark Larson has reported that Tyus Battle is gone. He says a source close to the team tells him there is basically no chance that Tyus Battle doesn't sign an agent. At this point, it's just a formality. Now, I don't really believe... That is necessarily the case. Now, I'm sure Larson's sources are pretty good. He's a respectable journalist in this area. But I do have to think it's going to be a tough decision for Tyus Battle, and I think a lot hinges on what happens at the Combine. And that's what's so good about this is you can go to the Combine, you can perform, and if you're at your best and projections look good, then you leave. But how much do you factor in that source out there that's saying Battle's already gone, considering you think he's going to stay? Yeah, I think that what would go a little bit through Tyus Battle's mind and what's going through a lot of Syracuse fans' mind is looking back on what happened with Tyler Lydon, Michael Benajay, Malachi Richardson, these guys who did leave, and then where did they go immediately? If Tyus Battle is going to enter into the NBA draft, he's not looking to be the star of a team right away. But if he does stay for another year, he can then up his stock for next year's draft, probably as long as he doesn't have a fall apart year in college basketball next year, should he decide to come back, he will uh, be drafted higher than he would this year and, and be more of a player in the NBA than just a guy who's sitting on the bench. Right now, yes, he has, good, he has the good look. But where is that coming from? I think that if he is to come back, gives himself the chance to continue to perform like other players in Syracuse the past few years did not, that he could be one who enters the NBA draft and is pretty successful from the get-go rather than watching from the side. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up about someone watching from the side because I always think about that. What do these players want when they go to the NBA, when they declare for the draft? And often, frankly, it's money, and you can't blame them. You know, these guys have worked hard. Some cases are different than others. Some players need that money, and they need it now, and they want it as soon as they can get it, and they want as much of it, basically, if their stock is going to be higher this year than next year, you could lose out on some money. Not only that, you could lose out on some guaranteed money. I know it's sort of a misnomer that all second-round draft picks are non-guaranteed contracts. That's not true, but the majority of them are. So right when you're on that bubble of the first and second round, that's a big difference, those one or two picks, and I think that's sort of where Tyus Battle is. 
But I can't blame a guy for wanting to come out, wanting to get that money, and you know, ultimately get the dream. The dream is to play in the NBA. But like you said, you could be like Malachi Richardson, who I think probably made the right decision to come out. But he's not playing much. You know, he's not a big factor. Is he a solid player in the NBA? Yeah, he's a he's a borderline role player to to really bench warmer. So he's still got a chance. He's a young guy. It's not like he's not doing good things at the next level. But, you know, he's not a starter on a team. He's not making a bunch of headlines. He still is an NBA player, which is nothing, uh, you know, to joke about. Yeah, it's literally like stocks. We use stocks lightly here as a uh, way of describing a player's value, but it literally is like stocks. You are taking a risk, whether you go now or whether you go later. Whether you're whether you're buying your stock or selling your stock now, that's going to make a difference, of course. Um, so, But I think Ty's battle is still in that process of, of just trying to figure it out. If all goes well at the Combine and they're like, hey, you're, you're at the top, then, of course, my opinion will change. He has not done that yet. And right now, because he hasn't made the formal decision and the commitment immediately, like, hey, I'm out of here, tells me that he's not exactly sure that his stock is where he wants it to be yet. And there is still that option for him to come back and improve it. You're right. I think there still is that option. But as we said, there are reports out there telling us that Tyus Battle is going to leave. And it's almost a lock at this point. This is Fizz Radio. David Edelstein alongside Jonathan Hoppy. We're talking Tyus Battle declaring for the NBA draft right here on the Score 1260. We've got you every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And wrapping up this first segment here, David, before we're coming up on our first break, talking about Tyus Battle. What is one thing that Tyus Battle did this summer? Was there ever a point, rather, during the season that you thought, you know what, this guy's going to the draft? You know, as much as I don't think he's necessarily going to, there once we saw that he was averaging over 20 points per game, once we saw that he was the guy that everyone looked to and he wasn't under pressure, and or if he was under that pressure, he was able to handle it well, that told me that he was a player who was qualified and able and had the confidence in himself to move on to that, that next level. Now coming back, leading his team to a, a Sweet 16. But it's important to remember one of the main things that got Syracuse so far this year was their defense. And Tyus Battle was very much an offensive player. So it's very important to look at, you know, how much did that side of him contribute? Of course, they needed to score. And of course, they scored enough to get as far as they did, literally sometimes by just those two points. Um, but I, once I saw him have that confidence in himself, he wasn't afraid to take those shots. And the team was, was surrounding him, rallying behind him. And it took them this far. That's when I realized, hey, this is a guy who would be like, all right, look at me in college. I think I'm ready to take that next step. You're right. When you see a guy make all those shots in the clutch like Tyus Battle is, how many times this year did Tyus Battle come through in the clutch? Now we're going to have to see if he comes through in the clutch for Syracuse fans in terms of staying and forming a team that would be really potent next year, probably a top 25 team in the preseason. But that's a story for another day. We'll keep an eye on that. Coming up, Syracuse football spring preview is over. The practice schedule is done. It's now a break until summer training camp and then the season coming up. We'll talk Dino Babers and the Orange on the other side. This is Biz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, just talk some Tyus Battle declaring for the NBA draft. 
Syracuse basketball season, not for a while. It seemed like it just ended Sweet 16 just a moment ago with Duke and Syracuse, but of course that was over a month now. Next up is SU football. We just saw the spring season end for the Orange. Summer training camp coming up in just over a month or so, and then after that the season starts. ACC Media Day, believe it or not, will be here as soon as you know it. And David, I want to talk about this Syracuse team is the expectation for you to make a bowl game finally in this Dino Babers era here in year three? I think the expectation for me is to not make as many of the fall-apart mistakes that happened this past season. Now, would that lead to a bowl? It very likely could, because the amount of times that we saw Syracuse football deteriorate um, within games this, this past season was a little bit frightening. Because we, there was so much momentum for this team. There was so much expectation. And for a while, we were talking about the fact that Syracuse football was going to make its first bowl in a while. But then Syracuse had uh, a fall apart. If Syracuse can take its, its next step and stay strong throughout games and, and not deteriorate, not get as tired, and keep the lead when they have it when, and when they should have won, that will be the next step, and that probably will lead to Syracuse making a bowl. This season, um, Dino Babers experienced his first loss as a coach when his team was leading in the third quarter. That says a lot about what happened towards the end of the season for the Orange. So should the Orange fix that and, and keep the lead late in the games rather than falling apart as we sometimes saw them do this past season, that could very well lead to those few extra wins that get them in. Well, you said a buzzword there, David, deteriorate. That sticks out to me because... I think it's a great word. I think that's exactly as what has happened with this team, not only in games, but in seasons. As the seasons start, and I look at last season especially, a bit of a rough start, but you're just finding your footing to start the season. Then you lose to Middle Tennessee State, and the season goes on, and you get better, and you beat Clemson. Then things fall off the tracks. And that's sort of the story. After beating Clemson, not a single win after that point, and you can't have that when you're trying to build a program. You beat the Tigers, that's awesome, but you got to follow up that with some wins. That's exactly what they didn't do. So I think I'm on the same page as you. I'm looking for some consistency, and you got to wonder if that's something that you can game plan as a coach. How can we make this roll all the way through instead of just blowing up three-fourths of the way through the season? I almost want Dino Babers to take his team one day out of the Carrier Dome, get permission to go on some random local field, even if it's a high school nearby, and just play out there a little bit. Because what we saw this past season was not only did they deteriorate, but it seemed to all happen when they were on the road. A lot of these losses and a a lot of these literal last-second losses for Syracuse happened when they were away from the Carrier Dome. And it's very good to feel comfortable in the Dome. It's also very good to feel comfortable when you're at home against the defending national champion and and actually come out with the win. But then when you hit the road, you can't put all of your energy into that one game, and you can't put all of your energy into the, the fans that are at home and just steal it from them. You need to have your own momentum when you are away. So if I almost want Dino Babers to just take his team, go to some random field, and do some practicing there so that they're just out of their comfort zone maybe a little bit more because that's where you'll find the consistency. When they can play well at home and in the same caliber, no matter how good it is, on the road, rather than seeing a massive difference between the two locations. Well, can they play well at home? That's the thing because think about that Wake Forest game last year. That's the game that sticks out in my mind. I think it sticks out in everybody's mind. You had the Demon Deacons... You were beating them in the first half. Things looked good. And then 
what in the world happened in that second half? That's kind of the point in the season that really frustrates me as someone who watches this team because it looked like it was there at times. It looked like at LSU it might have been there. Clemson, it was certainly there, and Florida State, it was there for a little bit, and then you play Wake Forest and just get shellacked in that second half. Your defense, pardon me for the cheesy phrase, looked like Swiss cheese. I mean, it really did, and I can't figure out why that happened in the Carrier Dome. That's a head-scratcher, and I still don't know here, what, five months later? Yeah, what happened actually during that specific Wake Forest game, because you're 100% correct, it does stick out in my mind as well, you know, What happened in that game was Syracuse didn't adapt. Not only did they deteriorate, but most of that deterioration in that game at home was because they didn't adapt. Wake Forest figured out one play, and that was the read option, and they were able to just pull that off every single time. They were faking where the ball was going, and then they just literally, like you said, ran right through the holes down the field. Uh, Syracuse didn't adapt. They did it three or four different times, and we kept seeing that, and that's all it took for them to be able to get the advantage to make Syracuse get tired out, and for them to score a few more points on the board and put them ahead. So it it was the inability to adapt in that specific game. You're right. In other games, they did seem to be consistent throughout, but then they just failed at the last moment, or they came off to a very, very slow start, which was inconsistent between being home and away. But in that specific Wake Forest game, that does, in fact, stick out in a lot of our minds, uh, because that was one win win that Syracuse looked like they were going to have for most of the game. Uh, there was just one play that Wake Forest figured them out, and Syracuse just looked lost in, on how to defend it. The good thing about this year's Syracuse team is you feel pretty good about yourself at the quarterback spot. Eric Dungy, as Fizz Radio's own Tyler Rocky always says, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Now, I contest that at points, but even if that's true, he's got to stay healthy. So if he stays healthy, you feel really good this entire season. If he plays every game this year, I think everyone would agree that Syracuse makes a bowl game. Yeah, Syracuse has, over the past two years, not had the best of luck with their quarterback staying healthy. No, they have not. And Rex Culpepper, who, of course, is battling cancer and came back to practice, we have wished him the best on this show before, will continue to do so. He is also there. And then you look at a guy like Tommy DeVito. That's someone that Syracuse can turn to this year if things go south for Dungy health-wise. If I'm DeVito, I'm on that sideline. I'm ready every game. I'm ready at every whistle to come in and show my worth, show why people were so excited when I committed to come to Syracuse, show why that I redshirted last year and I looked and saw what Dungy was doing. I looked at Rex Culpepper. I looked at all those guys, Mahoney. I looked everywhere, and I figured out what I was going to do when I came in, and when I come in, I'm going to show why I'm the next best quarterback for Syracuse. Now, you're you're 100% correct, and actually recently I wrote an article talking about just this, how Likely or unlikely is it that we do see Tommy DeVito come in off the sidelines? No longer is there that fear of ruining a redshirt year, because that's already happened. I think it's likely. That's already happened. Uh, I was actually arguing a few weeks ago that it was unlikely, mainly for a few reasons. Really? Okay, let's get into it. I haven't read this article, full disclaimer. All right. Um, One, you mean you don't read my stuff? (laughs) Most of the times. (laughs) Check it out, orangefizz.net. Great articles, SU football, SU recruiting, both basketball and football, pretty much everything you need. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. It's at Orange Fizz. You can catch all of our content there. And, of course, all our podcast and Fizz Radio episodes. It's all there for you. So quick plug here. Check us out, orangefizz.net. 100%. Anyways, Dave. Yes. So what I had argued was it's probably – more on the unlikely side that we see Tommy DeVito get action, and if so, too much action in this season. 
one reason that I gave for that is because over the past few years, we have seen Dungey be able to keep himself relatively healthy. Once we got past game four of last season and Dungey wasn't already you know, on the sidelines watching someone else take over for him, I was pretty, pretty happy. Now, by the end of the season, we did see uh, him kind of get flustered. And then, of course, he, he was replaced for, for a little bit of time. But he was able to keep himself more healthy. He was still going crazy. That's just going to be him. You know, he's dual threat, running around, throwing the ball, putting himself in those situations to be the best for the team. Um, but we did see him take more of those shoulder rolls and be careful. Even in a post-game press conference once, Dungey was able to joke about it a little bit more, being like, hey, I didn't die today. Um, but the second reason is that we know, and Syracuse football knows right now, that Tommy DeVito is the next, for lack of a better term right now, franchise quarterback as far as you know, his time at, in college football will go franchise. They know that he's going to be the one to take over. If he does get any playing time at all, I think that it would be towards the end of the season when they want to give him some of those real reps. Because last season he was on the sidelines, and yeah, you know, practicing throwing around the football is great with some college friends and college uh, teammates, but you want to get him into the game, get him under that pressure, and make him feel confident so he's ready to just take the helm next year. But I think it would be um, somewhat unwise to put him in too much and risk him also getting injured, especially because, I mean, these past few years, it wasn't just Eric Dungy. Quarterbacks have just been getting injured for Syracuse for whatever the reason is. I wouldn't want to put him in that situation too much before we know he's going to be at the helm next year and the year after that and ready to go. Picture this. First ACC game of the year, Florida State in the Carrier Dome. Teams, let's say they're undefeated. Syracuse looking good. Dungy's been there. Dungy gets popped and knocked out. Who are you bringing in? Should Rex Culpepper be ha uh, healthy and, and ready to play, I, I would be putting him in. Because it's just for me, it's it's so early in the season. I mean, yes, Tommy DeVito That's where we disagree. Because yes. I think you got to bring him in right away. I think at this point, Tommy DeVito has learned the system. He's been there watching. I want to see what this guy can do. I think fans do too. And Dino Baber should. Find out what you have because all due respect to Rex Culpepper, you don't have a top-tier ACC quarterback in Rex Culpepper. No. You could have that with Tommy DeVito. And this team is so dependent on Eric Dungy. Let's find out if DeVito's a guy that could come in and replace him and make the team dependent on Tommy DeVito, if that makes sense. My only concern with that is that he hasn't gotten any reps so far. So, I mean... You gotta yeah, start you somewhere. You, you, exactly. You can't expect, you know... We're not wishing anything on Dungy, but you can't expect if anything happens to your starting quarterback. You can't predict that, and obviously the. the but what you can do is look into history and see that Dungy has not finished a season. That is true. Um, I mean, if it's early in the season, I do I do see where you're coming from with hey, let's put Devito right in there. My fear would just be that that would just be while he knows the system and everything, he hasn't had any reps at all. Now, did Dungy when he came in? Not necessarily. So it could be that hey, transition, boom, Tommy Devito, you're the guy. But I do think that I, as the coach, would be cautious of, hey, we also know DeVito is going to be our guy for the next few years after, uh, you know, Culpepper is not here or Dungy's not here. Um, and, and, and kind of pr not protect him, but get him ready so that next season he, he's ready to go. There's no, uh, he doesn't really, doesn't get injured this year. He doesn't feel unconfident this year give him the reps like I said I think that if he is going to get playing time it's going to be to get him the reps get him the confidence and get him on an, an on an active game rather than just practice but I don't know if I'd be sending him out immediately being like all right well instead of you know bringing you through this rest of this grooming process that we might have had let's just go out there and see what happens 
So what you're saying is if you're the Cleveland Browns and you just drafted Baker Mayfield first overall <laughs> on Thursday, you're not going to start him game one next season? No, I think that, but that's the difference. They're going to start him game one next season. Right now, Eric Dungy's the starter. And we're thinking hypothetically, should Dungy get hurt, what do you do? Now, of course, that matters on the time of year. I completely see your point that in the beginning of the year, if it was um, like within the first few minutes, as we've seen quarterbacks go down for Syracuse, unfortunately, in recent times, that you would want to put in your next guy and say, okay, you're the guy. But that also would make him feel kind of like the backup right now. And really what the mentality is, is he's the starting guy after Dungy's gone. He is the starting guy after Dungy's gone. So that's why I think go ahead and groom him in now. But I get your point. It's a kind of a double-edged sword either way you do it. But I think the bottom line is most likely Eric Dungy is not going to, at some point in this season, another quarterback is going to get meaningful snaps. You can almost say that with 200% confidence if that's even possible. Because this is a guy who, while I'm hoping and praying for his health and I'm praying that he stays healthy the entire season, at this point, based off what we've seen, like I said, you can almost assume he will not be in that quarterback role for every snap this year. Now, if there's garbage time, obviously someone else is going to come in, and hopefully that is DeVito or Culpepper. Got to be one of them, so it's going to be one of those two. But you're not going to see Dungy throughout the full season if history tells us what happened last year is going to repeat itself. And if it doesn't, you've got yourself a good problem here. Because if Dungy goes out, in my mind, you put in DeVito, you learn what he's got. And if you don't see DeVito this year, that's because Dungy's been healthy and Syracuse is probably going to make a bowl game. Yeah, and that's exactly the point. Um, Now, you threw out the interesting situation here. If it happens immediately in the season, who do you go with? And basically, you're saying that you would stick with Tommy DeVito through the whole season. He would become the automatic number one guy. Um, And if it is that he, Tommy DeVito, is going to get playing time, he, he will be on the field. You will see him. I would just be more careful of trying to just throw him in there and be like, okay, never mind. Instead of really getting you ready and you're the guy next year, you're the guy this year. Go in there. And what, you know, there's a mental side to the game too. Um, how ready is he for the, the live action and how ready is he? Um, what, what does that mean for next year? I do think though that the grooming process would probably include him getting reps so that he does have the experience that game one next year isn't the first second he's ever on an active field. But I think it's unlikely that we see him in there being the number one quarterback every single game and then being thrown right into position no matter how much he knows the system. All right, before we take a break and get ready to talk football recruiting, I got to ask you, David, what's your way too early? I guess at this point it's not way too early. At this point it's just (laughs) early. What's your early prediction for what Syracuse does next season? I mean, you look at the schedule that's out there right now. I, I do think that Syracuse improves. They've got some really good guys coming in, and they've got some really dedicated guys. Dino Babers now adding another season under his belt as the Syracuse head coach. And he's built a a program here that really rallies behind him. He's a very inspirational kind of coach and gets his guys into the game. That inspiration, though, has to carry into their consistency, consistency of playing, and not only when you're going to beat the national defending champion, but also through those other games on the road and the games that don't necessarily have numbers next to the team name. Um, I I would say that Syracuse, instead of going another season four and eight, I, I could see them getting, you know, being closer to, to, to a six and six or maybe even a seven and five. But that's very dependent on how well the team molds. I think we're looking more towards a, a 500 record for this coming year. But six wins, like we were saying a few minutes ago, are they going to make a bowl game? I think that could 
be the edge of the difference for this program. It's bowl or bust, David. That's my thing. It's bowl or bust for this year's team. Last year, the talk was, can they get to a bowl game? I don't know. It might be too early. Expectations were relatively high. I think people were predicting around five wins. I said four wins, and you know what? (laughs) It ended to be towards that, that lower point. I think it's a bowl year this year for Syracuse. That's my prediction, and I think if it's not a bowl year, you really start to wonder about this program and where it's heading because we've seen all the improvements. We've seen the, the pep talks from Dino Babers, what he's talked about. I think this is the year you got to come out and get a bowl, but a lot of time until we find out if Syracuse is going to be eligible for the postseason. It's Fizz Radio. I'm Jonathan Hoppy, alongside David Edelstein. When we come back, we're going to talk about some football recruiting. Syracuse just offered a North Carolina kid and got his first ever offer from the Orange. What does that mean? And so much more. It's Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on a beautiful Saturday morning in Syracuse, it's the Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. David, how are you liking this weather? It's finally spring. I know it sounds so cliche, two radio guys talking about spring weather in Syracuse, but it does sort of make the mood better in the early mornings like this. I'm wondering what you mean by spring, personally. My experience of <laughs> spring is a little bit more sun, a little bit warmer, but for Syracuse, yes, it's definitely feeling uh, nicer outside, getting me in the mood for, for throwing around a football myself outside. Yeah, those days where you want to just go out and throw around the football. We're here talking about football on the score 1260, and Football recruiting for Syracuse has picked up some momentum. Dino Baber said this year's class that he signed earlier back in January, February was the break class, sort of the class you'll remember as when Syracuse turned the corner. Now, we'll see if that happens, but a guy they just offered, Nickel Fields in Charlotte, North Carolina, he's a 2021 running back, defensive back, first ever offer came to Fields from Syracuse, and He's not a guy that sort of jumps off the paper like he's receiving a lot of national attention, but he's just a freshman, so for Syracuse to come in and offer him, it says a lot about what they think about what Nickel Fields can do. He's under six feet, but his brother Brian played at Duke, so certainly some athleticism running in the Fields' blood there in that family. I just want to talk about Syracuse football recruiting. Use that as sort of a little piece of what they've done. I think it's always good if you can get out in front of things. If you're a guy's first offer... That's got to mean something. Yeah. He's not maybe getting a lot of national attention, but he's getting attention from Syracuse, and that, to him, does not go unnoticed. You remember this kind of thing. Which team cares about you? Which team is watching you, even? Which team is is the one that's like, hey, we've got an eye on you. We think that you could potentially be really helpful to us in, in the future, and we want to uh, you know, begin this relationship really early. And that, that goes a long way. I mean, think about that. If I got an offer from a, from a school like that, you know, well, I don't play football. But for him, someone who does and someone who, you know, Syracuse is the first team to reach out to him, the first team to, to show an interest and be like, you know, you've got something. We're interested and we're here and let's, let's kind of begin this relationship together and see what it could become. That means a lot to, to a player, especially a freshman who's looking around and being like, wow, like I was reached out to by a team. Right, and you got to take that for notice for Syracuse, and certainly more offers are going to come in for a guy. As you said, you know it means a lot as a freshman when you're getting these offers. And now, as we look at Syracuse football recruiting as a whole, you know recruiting never stops. We know this, but Tyrone Sampson Jr. 
He's a guy that was going to come in, an offensive tackle, and really help revitalize this offensive line for Syracuse that really needs some help. Did improve a lot last season, looking for even more improvement this year. He decommits, and that was the story back in December that Sampson was gone. And now that sort of hurts this recruiting momentum for Syracuse because this class looked really good. Sampson drops out. You lose a four-star lineman. You've still got Kadir White who's going to come in this season. That's a big blow. It is a big blow. But what it does simultaneously, as much as it's a blow to the team, it's also a a motivation for other players to step up. Because now they see, okay, yeah, that was rough. Player leaves, someone who was supposed to be a big impact. But the players that are also coming in that were supposed to come in with him are now like, hey, they're thinking to themselves, there is space for them to step into a role and have that confidence and self-motivation that maybe they wouldn't have had if they knew someone else was up there ahead of them. That is a positive way to look at it if you think about recruiting, because now guys like McGloster on the offensive line, they're going to have to step up. The competition, though, is less when you don't bring in a guy like Samson. That's what you want. You want competition. You never want a guy at any position to think, you know what, I'm a lock to start, because it's not the case. Even if it is, you don't want it to be. Because then people get complacent. I mean, I've been there before as an offensive lineman at a much smaller scale at a small high school in North Carolina. I was the right tackle. And when you feel like you're there and you feel like you've earned that spot and it's yours, you're a bit more complacent. You know, you maybe hustle less in practice. You maybe do certain things that aren't good habits and you don't want to build. So you want that competition. And that's ultimately what you want as a program, whether it's four stars, three stars, or two stars. You want to come pe- make people come in and, and really make others earn their spots. But at the end of the day, what you also have is that these players playing in, the, in college football also have a lot of self-motivation. Because they're not just competing with the players around them to play now. Every single one of them is thinking, where is my competition for when I'm trying to get to the next level? And that next level is the NFL. And that's where there's a lot of competition. I mean, the NFL draft happening over these past few days, they're not just thinking, okay, do I have the position on my college team? They're also looking around and being like, do I have the position on my college team so that I'm able to be in competition with the other people doing the same things at other colleges that I'll be in competition with when it comes time for the NFL draft. So there's a lot of that self-motivation. And yeah, maybe here and there they might slow down, which you do want to avoid. You don't want to have someone who's complacent and is just kind of stagnant and, hey, you know, I'm invincible here because no one is and no one should think that they are. But at the end of the day, they are also in the back of their minds thinking, I want to make it to the NFL That's where I want to play, and I'm not just in competition with those on my team. I'm not just in competition with those in this game uh, with the opponent that's on the other side of the field from me, but I'm in competition with every other person in my position around the country that will enter that draft at the same time as me. So that self-motivation will keep them going also. Now, I mentioned Jamar McGloster. He actually graduated, so that tells you what. There's even more holes to be filled, but this Syracuse team, I think they can do it. That's a breakdown of recruiting. Tyrone Sampson Jr., still a tough loss, but we'll see if Syracuse can replace him. Coming up, we'll put a bow on this Fizz Radio show. We'll wrap things up here in the Score 1260. On the other side, don't go anywhere. Back here on the Score 1260, it's Fizz Radio wrapping things up on this Saturday morning. I'm Jonathan Hoppy, alongside my friend David Edelstein, and we're talking about Syracuse basketball. If Tyus Battle comes back, there are reports out there that say he's not. David seems to think he's coming back. I think he's leaving. 
Let's play a little game here, though, David. If he does come back, how good is this team next year? I think that this team would take phenomenal strides forward. We already saw this team make a Sweet 16 this past year. But should Tyus Battle come back with yet another season under his belt and a season where he was clutch and was able to perform under pressure as the guy that was rallied behind? You have O'Shea Brissett continuing to get better. And you also add in these new recruits who are... They're not nobodies who are joining this team this year. You've got guys who are going to be joining this team who can make an immediate impact. I think that this team could see itself as a ranked team this past year during the season. They were not, yet they made it all the way to the Sweet 16. I think that this team could potentially get up into maybe even the top 10. Now, that's that's saying a lot, but I wow. think that with the with the skill and with what we know that a Jim Beheim team can do and just kind of come out of nowhere. I think that they can find themselves as a top 10 team at some point in this coming year once they solidify as a group. And once you're looking at the NCAA tournament, I wouldn't be surprised that if that happens that they could make it to another Final Four over the past few years and, and see it again this year. Well, David, it's funny you say that because you talk about the Jim Beheim teams coming out of nowhere. This team wouldn't come out of nowhere with all the talent on this roster. They'd have expectations. Let's think about last year, right? No expectations for this team. Absolutely none. People thought they were going to miss the tournament. They somehow make it to the Sweet 16. Seems like that perfect SU formula. Now go back two years ago when you had your guys Tyler Lydon, Andrew White, John Gillen. That roster looked pretty good. Remember what Beheim said before the season? This is one of the best rosters I've ever had. Think about that. One of the best rosters he's ever had missed the NCAA tournament. So for some reason, when expectations are put on this Orange team, things don't work out that well for Jim Beheim. and that was what I predicted earlier before this season started. I thought SU would make the tournament because those no expectations. I thought the defense would be better. That's exactly what happened. Now, the defense won't be near as bad next year as it was two seasons ago, but those expectations sort of have me worried. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is correct, that Syracuse, when... They don't have those expectations put on them. They make them for themselves. What I see coming, though, for this coming year with the group of players that are going to be here, and again, like we're saying, should Tyus Battle come back, I just think that that momentum carries because they proved th themselves last year, but they're they're not done. These players are now going to be stepping into, as far as Tyus Battle goes, the third year, other players their second year, and some recruits wanting to make that immediate impact. It's not necessarily that they have the expectation that I just said, like, hey, you're going to be a top 10 team. We're starting you out as a top 10 team, and you should make it to the Final Four. I think that with the group of players, whatever the expectations are, that they are going to drive themselves there because they have the internal motivation to say, hey, we're still together. There hasn't been much change if Tyus Battle doesn't leave, and we, we could shoot even farther this year. Yeah, that could happen. It really could, and that's sort of what I'm interested to see. If Tyus Battle does return, you know the hype's going to come. It's going to come. It's already coming from us right here, mainly you. I'm a bit more skeptical, but that's what's going to happen, and how can they handle that? That's what I'm worried about, but say if Tyus Battle does leave, which the reports say he will, I think he'll probably go. If that does happen, then what's your ceiling? Because in my mind, I'd hate to say that the ceiling's higher if Tyus Battle leaves because it's not. It's definitely not. You'd love to have Tyus Battle back. It makes things better. But if he does leave, it opens up some space for O'Shea Brissett, Elijah Hughes, and the expectations are a bit lower, which I think can help. No, you're 100% you're right. You'd be giving other guys some of that ability to become the main guy on the court. You'd be giving and them Frank the space. And Frank Howard. you got to mention Frank Howard. Exactly. You'd be giving 
multiple of these players a chance to step up themselves and be like, okay, Tyus is gone, but look at what we did. We could really fill that role. The expectations being lower, that's an interesting argument. We'll see how consistent that is. It's definitely been true over the past few years. When a Jim Beheim team hasn't been expected much of, they go far. Um, but with Tyus Battle coming back, we're talking about one impact player. I think that everyone's going to wind up taking a step up anyway. And if he does come back, that they could make it as far as, as I just talked about them making it. If he doesn't come back, which is what you're asking, you know, they, they still have that potential. They still have that potential to start out, regroup, figure out their system. And Jim Beheim has been great at doing this with his teams, getting them to figure out their own system together with the players they have and then skyrocket as, as the season progresses. Really quickly, David, yes or no, Elijah Hughes is a big factor, scores a lot of points, and is a great player on next year's team. Really quick, no, because there are already established players on this team. He'd be coming off the bench playing a relatively minor role compared to what they're already used to. All right, interesting take. That's all the time we have for today. For my partner, David Edelstein, I'm Jonathan Hoppe. Thanks so much for listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We'll see you next week.